You have brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of you has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophecy, in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Here ends the Bible reading. Thanks, Sam. Uh, Good afternoon, everyone. It's great to see you in church. Uh, As Nat mentioned earlier in our service, we started our journey through Romans back in 2018, uh, and uh, last year we wrestled with a magnificent but challenging section uh, in chapters 9 to 11, and it's great to get to the final stretch here. And today's passage, and indeed this whole section of Romans, is really shaped by verse 1 that we had Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Uh, Literally the word uh, for mercy here is plural, so it could read in view of God's mercies. So what mercies is the Apostle Paul here talking about? Well, that's really Romans chapters 1 right through to 11, which is all about the wonderful mercies Uh, in the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, As we heard during the quiz, uh, Paul opens uh, with this great declaration that the Gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, Jews, Gentiles, everyone who believes. Uh, The rest of chapters 1 to 3, mainly, uh, are much more bleak. They really set out the great predicament of all of humanity, why we actually need salvation. And the verdict is in. All people, all tribes, all nations are living under the shadow of God's judgment. Uh, No one has given uh, given God the worship he deserves. No one has loved their neighbour as they know that they should. There is no one righteous, not even one. All have turned away, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, that's the great predicament. But the wonderful news, the thrilling news of the gospel is that when we trust, when we depend, when we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're justified, we're forgiven freely because of God's grace towards us. Uh, This salvation uh, comes through the shedding of Christ's blood on the cross. And through him we now have peace with God. Through him now there is no condemnation. Through him we have the Holy Spirit who confirms, who who makes us God's children, who conforms us to the Lord Jesus Christ, his image, and guarantees that we're going to share in his glory forever. And that great mercy of God is for all people, including Israel. That's 
chapters 9 to 11. And so Paul begins, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of that mercy that I've just been talking to you about, in view of that mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Uh, Paul here is urging uh, the Romans to live in light of God, live in response to God's mercy. And that's what today's passage is about. It's what chapters 12 to 16 are all about. And here God's saying, it's time. It's time to give me your life. It's time to surrender. But it's not kind of an ultimatum. It's not God's not some armed robber holding a gun to our head. He's the God who comes with outstretched arms and with blood-soaked hands. He's the king who gave his life for ours. In view of this mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. Notice in the verse embedded there is motivation. When he says in view of God's mercy, he means the reason we respond to God in worship is because of his mercy. And the motive here is gratitude. It's thankfulness. And that's not the same as paying God back. Well, God did this, so I'm going to do this as a payback. That's not what this is. Uh, In many other religions, God does something good for you and as long as you pay him back, the the relationship continues. And it's sometimes the same in our world. Relationships can be conditional, right? I'll be in this relationship as long as there's something in it for me. Well, that's not our God. Indeed, it can't be because it's impossible to pay God back. Paul just says this in chapter 11, just before, a few verses before, who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. Everything we have comes from God. Not just salvation, but all of life. Every atom in our bodies, everything we enjoy, every breath we take is a gift of God. Even the good things we do, the good works we do, They've been given by God for us to do. And when we truly understand God's mercy, it's truly humbling. It's impossible to be proud or arrogant or self-righteous or self-important when we know we're children of grace. That's what Paul says in verse 3. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. So our response to God isn't payback, it's gratitude, it's thankfulness. I knew a uh, wonderful Christian brother who's now uh, in glory with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, A brain tumour took him about 10 years ago. But even as the cancer uh, relentlessly progressed, he received wonderful medical care. It extended his life and meant he could spend more quality time with his family. After he passed, uh, his wife gave uh, quite, a great, uh, quite a lot of money to the hospital. Uh, she did it because she wanted to help uh, people uh, who were in a similar situation, but she also did it out of gratitude, out of thankfulness for what they'd done. Sisters and brothers, we've been saved from death. We've been liberated from hell. We've been given new hope 
a new life. We've been given eternity. How can we not be overwhelmed with gratitude and thankfulness? Well, what does it look like to respond with gratitude to the mercy and kindness of God? The last part of verse 1 puts it this way. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Worship is the response to God's mercy. Uh, Worship's kind of a funny word. Uh, People use it in lots of different ways. Often it's used to describe what we do in church on Sundays. Uh, And it is that, but it's so much more than that. Worship involves every part of our lives, in private and public, in our inner life and our outer life. It includes our work, our behaviour in the schoolyard, on the sporting field, yes, even on the sporting field, our conversations at work, what websites we look at, what we do with our friends. It's all worship. It's every part of our lives surrendered to him. And our worship must always be in accordance with God's word. Sometimes we like to tell God how he should be worshipped. We like to tell him about what he should approve of, how we should live, how we think we should live, what sort of relationships we should be in. But you don't tell God how he should be worshipped. He tells you. A few years ago, I got these headphones as a present for my wife. She loves them. Best present ever, she says. Bluetooth headphones with noise cancelling function. There's a bit of a hint as to why she likes them. Uh, But the reason that I got them isn't because I'm some awesome present buyer who's totally attuned to my wife's emotions and needs. The reason I got them is because she told me to get them for her. Now, if I got to choose, I probably would have chose something like this or even something like this. We don't get to decide how to worship God. He tells us. Worship should always be on his terms. That's why the scriptures are so central to true and proper worship. Well, here he tells us what he wants. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. It's kind of a very tangible, a very physical way of putting it, isn't it? Give your whole body to God. Not as a dead sacrifice, but as a living one, walking, talking, breathing. I think uh, he puts it like this because he's saying that worship isn't just every part of your life, it's all of your life, 24-7. Try and think of something that you do in your life that doesn't involve your body. You can't think without your brain. Believe me, I try it regularly and it doesn't go very well. You can't speak or act without your body. So when Paul says, offer your bodies, he's saying, God wants all of you involved in his worship. Not 10%, a tithe, that's yours, God, the rest is mine. Not 20%, not 40%, not 90%, but 100%, all of your life. Worship is to be like breathing, and I've heard from the experts it's useful to do that all the time. Worship is like breathing. Every moment for God's glory, every recess 
of our hearts, every corner of our lives, a whole life lived in love and obedience to God. That's worship. Brothers and sisters, how is your worship going? How's it going? Are you giving your whole life in worship to God? Are there areas in your life that you're withholding from him? A part of your life that you haven't given over to him yet? You see, God wants us to allow him to transform us. He wants us to allow him to free us from our fear, our self-reliance, our greed, our anger, our bitterness, our gossip, our lust, whatever it is that's holding us back from worshipping, worshipping him fully. The language here also, also takes us back to the old covenant, the animal sacrifices that Israel offered to God in the temple. But here we're not a dead sacrifice, we're a living one. And here what pleases God isn't the kind of aroma of of burnt meat, but the aroma of our obedience. And here our whole life is the altar upon which we worship God. Do you sometimes feel a little insignificant? Do you sometimes feel that what you do doesn't make a difference, that it goes unnoticed? The thing is, when we do something in obedience to Jesus, whatever it is, it has a cosmic impact. Washing clothes, filing documents, speaking gently to our unreasonable parents, praying for our kids. Whatever it is, when we do it out of love for Jesus and for others, we're impacting the God of the universe. We put a smile on his face. Our worship never goes unnoticed by our Father in heaven. Well, Paul explains more about what that body offering whole of life worship looks like in verse 2. First, he states it negatively, do not conform to the pattern of the world, and then positively, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't conform, be transformed. Then you'll be able to attest and approve what God's will is, that is, you'll be able to know and do what pleases God. So on the negative side first, do not conform to the pattern of the world. Uh, I've been reading a few articles lately and apparently coastal erosion is a massive problem along the Great Ocean Road. The ocean's tide, accelerated by uh, climate change, uh, is reshaping the shoreline. And that means that the beautiful beaches and even the road itself in some parts is coming under threat. The Apostle Paul is saying, don't let that happen to you. Don't let that happen to you. Don't allow yourself to be shaped by the world. Now there are obvious examples of the kind of uh, the brokenness, the sinfulness of the world, uh, sex slavery, uh, violent racism, the porn industry. But the kind of 
insidious nature is, is more than that. It's any vision, hope, dream or, or worldview that rejects or even sidelines Jesus, that moves him uh, from the centre of our lives to kind of somewhere in the orbit. Paul says, by the power of the Spirit of God, resist the tide. Resist the tide. Fall out of love with money and status, hedonistic pleasure and fall in love with Jesus. Don't conform to the pattern of the world. Conform to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the negative. Don't be conformed. And the positive is, be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, this picture here is a picture of the Namib Desert in southern Africa. It's apparently the second driest desert in the world. About uh, averages about five millimetres of rain uh, per year. Uh, back in uh, 2018, there was a, a small part of the desert, a part of the desert which had uh, 20 millimetres of rain in two days. And then a few weeks later, this incredible transformation took place. Our succulents started to grow. Their seeds had been lying dormant uh, for decades. They started to grow. And then soon after, about a week later, these stunning flowers started covering the landscape. This is the kind of stunning transformation that the Spirit works in us. He renews our mind to think God's thoughts after him, to repent of attitudes that dishonour the Lord Jesus Christ. He renews our mind, he transforms us to love what Jesus loves, to rejoice in what he rejoices in, to be on uh, his side in every argument. And he does it through God's word. So we know what that is. You can't have a transformed life with your Bible closed. Don't conform, be transformed. Well, in what follows uh, from 12 verse 3 right through uh, to the end of Romans, Paul gives uh, very practical examples of what this transformed life actually looks like. Now, in our context, I think it would uh, be quite natural to individualise these verses, uh, 1 and 2. Uh, a lot of us here, not all of us, but a lot of us here will be very shaped by the Western culture which we live in. Now, if that's true, if what, if what they're mostly on about is my worship, what I do, then what do you think would follow? I reckon a whole lot of instructions about personal holiness. But notice what actually follows. The Apostle starts not just uh, talking about not just uh, personal holiness, but about our relationships. Uh, verses 4 and 5. In Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We offer our body to God by offering it to each other. Verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Verse 13. Uh, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. They're not solo activities, are they? Chapter 13, verse 8, love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. And if you look at chapters 14 uh, and 15, they're all about the Jews and the, the Gentiles uh, getting on with each other 
in the church. So when Paul talks here about transformation that results in all of life, all of life worship, he's talking about others, loving others. Worship is worked out in relationship. Transformation means thinking of yourself less and others more. Conforming to the world means having a self-centred, me-first worldview. A renewed mind means uh, putting others first, humbly serving brothers and sisters in the church. Brothers and sisters, the Apostle is saying here, you cannot worship God and not love his people. You cannot worship God and not love his people. It's like a four-sided triangle, right? It's a logical impossibility. We're his bride and body, we're his temple. God dwells in us by his spirit. We're the the church that Jesus bought with his own blood. Precious to God. God is not just my father, he's our father. Worshipping God means loving his people, his family. And so a renewed mind means moving from a me and myself world to an us world, us together. Uh, many other cultures have a much bigger sense of us than we do in our Western culture. But those cultures tend to think of uh, blood family. And if that's where we are, we have to kind of start thinking out of that as well because the blood of Jesus is thicker than the blood of earthly family. Like members of a body, verse 5, we belong to each other. That's what Paul is saying here. God has bonded us together as a body, as a family in eternity. And so God says, you cannot worship me unless you love your church family. And if that's not the way we think, well, our thinking, our minds need to be renewed and transformed to change we, uh, the way we view the people around us. And let's have a look at the way that that love is expressed in verse 6. It's expressed in service. God has given us each gift for that purpose, to serve others, to serve the body of Christ. And look here, no one has missed out. All Christians have been given grace by God, each one of us, to serve. So if your gift is teaching, then teach. If your gift is to encourage, well then, encourage. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Now, many of the gifts that Paul lists here, we're all supposed to be doing, right? Like giving and encouraging. But clearly, some have been gifted specially in these areas. And the list isn't exhaustive. If you look at other parts of the scriptures, you'll see other gifts that are listed. And so the call here is not, can I find my specific gift in it? The call here is, whatever whatever way God has 
gifted you, use it in the service of others. That's worship. Four PM, you're all God's gift to us here this afternoon. You make us a better church. And like uh, a body, when all its different parts are functioning well, we flourish, we grow. So can I ask, how's your worship going? Worshipping God means loving his people and loving his people means serving them. Now you might be here this afternoon thinking, look, I'm not sure what my gift is. How do I kind of find my way into all of this? Now, uh, we're a new congregation and lots of us are still uh, working stuff out where we actually fit. And that's okay. It takes time to settle in and get used to a new community. Uh, If you want help with that, please let uh, me know, let Nat know, let Bridget know. We'd love uh, to get alongside you and help you through that process. There's lots of ways to serve around 4pm and St Jude's. One of the wonderful things about our service here at 4pm is that we're a smaller congregation so there are heaps of opportunities, heaps of ways that you could use your gifts. So we're really happy to chat with you if that's something you'd like to do. Let us know. Wherever you're up to in this process, we're really glad that you're with us today. Worshipping God means loving his people and loving his people means serving them. I reckon God's word here is so timely for us as a new congregation, as our life together begins to take shape because the push for all of us will be to conform to the patterns of the world. In a Western church context, that can mean uh, mean coming to church with a consumer mindset. Now, consumer measures something not for what they give, but what they get. A consumer has no problem with not loving and serving the body. But that doesn't fit with what God is saying to us here today. And so perhaps the best measure of church isn't so much what it does for me, but what I do for it, how I contribute, how I love, how I serve. Did I turn up? Yes. Was the Bible taught? Yes. Were prayers prayed? Yes. Did I get to serve? Yes. Did I get to love someone? Yes. And if you can say yes to all those things, then church was good, even if Alex was a bit long and boring because we're not here as consumers, we're here to serve and love each other. That's responding to God's mercy. That's worshipping God with a renewed mind and a transformed life. Can I pray? Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wonderful mercy towards us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Please, Holy Spirit, uh, convict us of what that looks like. 
what it means to worship you with a renewed mind and transformed lives. Help us to love and serve each other here as the body of Christ. Amen.